0: Uh, I have a warm-up question for you, and it's just kind of a, it's really sort of a sociological question. This is kind of a survey question. How many of you have chosen where to live in life, you've chosen the geography, the place where you live, uh, based on a job? Like you've moved somewhere, lived somewhere uh, due to a job. You can raise your hand for a second? Any impression? All right, so you've kind of moved the location of your life for, for work. Pretty, pretty common experience, right? How many of you have chosen where you've lived, you've moved the location of your life for the sake of ministry or a church? Something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I would imagine that the proportion of people here who have chosen a location of their lives for the sake of ministry or church is actually fairly high, certainly fairly high uh, with respect to the general population in the country, but I think also probably particularly high uh, um, compared to other churches, or just sort of a ministry-minded group of people. But obviously, well, generally, what, what was the more influential factor in that survey? Job? spiritual life. What was it? Yeah. Uh, we let jobs, we let our earnings, our work sort of shape a tremendous amount about our life. Is that a bad thing? It's not necessarily a bad thing. But I like to ask that question uh, because I think it, it shows in a gentle way the influence that money has in our lives. It just shapes a tremendous amount about us. I mention that because Jesus talks about money more than he talks about any other single issue, any other practical moral issue. Jesus talks about money in scripture somewhere around 60 times, 60, 62 times, depending on how you count and stuff like that. I'm a real Bible geek, so I actually went through and counted these things up one day. So like, I mean, 60 times. That's a lot of teaching on money and wealth and the influence that money and wealth has in us and how we should look at money and wealth. By contrast, Jesus speaks about love, which is, you know, one of those cardinal virtues. He only speaks about love about 15 times, one five. So he speaks about money about four times more than he talks uh, about love. And, and there's a reason for that. The reason being that money matters are incredibly influential set of things in our existence. And it's really, really, really easy to get unhealthy in the way that we think uh, about money. Um, Jesus talks about Oh, you can't serve both God and money, or God and mammon, the King James used to put it. Uh, He says you shouldn't build bigger barns to store your excess. You shouldn't worry too much about saving for the future. That actually leads to trouble, Jesus promises. Um, He says you shouldn't show any preference to the rich just because someone is financially successful doesn't mean that you should treat them differently than you treat someone who is financially uh, struggling. He says uh, very frequently that whatever you have, you should definitely share it with the poor, that you should find some way to do that on a regular basis. In fact, he says you should prioritize uh, caring for poor people uh, above uh, caring for other people, generally speaking. Uh, he says that you should use money to buy friends. that sound right? Parable of the unrighteous steward. Because... What better way to use money, right? You want to buy clothes, you want to buy furniture, you want to buy cars, or you actually want to invest in relationships, right? So that's actually a Jesus teaching, believe it or not. We're gonna, I'm not gonna do that one today. Uh, he says that you should never fear not having enough for uh, tomorrow. Um, money can get to you. Money can make you anxious. Anybody ever been anxious about not having enough money? Anyone? Let's be really honest with each other. Anybody here ever have a lot of money and then been really anxious about what to do with it? What's the proper thing to do with it? Yeah, if we're really honest, it gets us that way too. Money makes us anxious when we don't have enough and money often makes us anxious when we have a whole lot because oh, then we got to manage it uh, correctly. Uh, So money can get to you through lust for things, like, wow, I really want that nice fill-in-the-blank, therefore uh, money is going to rule my life for a while. But I think mostly money gets to us through anxiety, you know, through fear. And and this is what Jesus talks about most. So why are we talking about that today? Well, we're in a sermon series on the battle for the mind. Uh, The primary battle that we will fight in life, by which I mean the very first battle, the foundational battle is always the battle for the mindset, uh, for how you approach things, for what your attitude is. Are you going to live life in faith or are you going to live life in fear? There you go. And, And that is a basic struggle for all of us when your mind is set, when you have the mindset, when your mind is set in the sort of faith that expects victory all the time with God, then eventually you'll always see victory. Do you think that's true? Not true. Well, there you go. I mean, that's the battle line right there. Um, it is, it's the mindset of faith, or you could call it the mindset of trust, and it is the right mindset. It is a powerful mindset. If your mind is set in faith, um, that's, that's proper worship. That's the right way to honor God. You know, uh, When you always think, hey, God and I are going to do something great with this circumstance, when you can always think that, no matter what the circumstance is, Boom, there it is. Then your mind is set in faith. And that's the kind of mindset, that's the sort of faith brain that we want to have in life. And and Jesus talks about this a lot. Jesus talks about faith uh, or faith mindset, however you want to think of it. He talks about the power of faith almost constantly. Faith, if you can get a grip on it, if you can really set yourself in it, man, it can change everything everything. can change everything in life. And Jesus is, I'll say he's harping on this. He just harps on it all the time in the Gospels. He says, you know, if you've got faith, you can say to this tree, get up and move, and it will move. If you've got even just a little pure faith, you can say to this mountain, "Mountain, move, and the mountain uh, will move. When Peter's walking on the water and then he freaks out and sinks, Jesus grabs him, pulls him back up out of the water and said, you are doing great. Why do you have so little faith? It's as if Jesus was offended that Peter didn't have enough faith to walk on water consistently, which just kind of tells you how Jesus sees the importance and the power of the mindset of faith. Nine times in the Gospels, Jesus says something like, hey, your faith healed you. It was your faith that allowed us to do that miracle today. He's constantly underlining faith. Whenever he finds it in people, he just loves it. Love. Sometimes he'd stop a crowd just to honor someone's faith in the moment. We have mature faith when our faith rests in the nature of God rather than on the circumstance. When we think to ourselves, God always provides, then we don't have to look at the circumstance and think, well, is that going to be enough for us or not? And twice in the Gospels, we get stories about the multiplication of, of loaves and fishes to feed thousands of people, you know, because God provides. And in the kingdom of God, no matter what you have, it's somehow always enough. And that's the mindset of faith. And those are all very challenging teachings. I mean, do you really think that whatever you have is enough? How many of you honestly think that? That's very, it's a challenge, isn't it? And Jesus knew this, which is why he talks about money things and material things uh, all the time is God a reluctant boss or is God for you constantly? A father that always provides. Which is he? And that's a great way to sort of draw the battle line uh, for our mind. The first step uh, in in the fight of faith versus fear is, is to realize that that is the battle and just to be aware of it uh, and, and then you have to realize that your mindset is determined by your choices and not by your circumstances. It is not allowable to say, Well, I'm having a very stressful time. Actually, you're having a time, there may be some challenges in it, but the stress is here. You know, we're all human, we're all human. <laughs> We all struggle with anxiety and stress sometime, but we have to realize, we have to be aware that, no, we can choose faith uh, in any moment. That's the Jesus teaching anyway. If you are afraid or stressed out, stop and question it and say, you know, I don't really have to succumb to this fear. I don't really have to live here. There's a different way. There's the Jesus way. And that's a basic gospel teaching. Uh, Jesus gives that teaching uh, in one way, shape, or form literally dozens of times uh, over the course uh, of the four uh, Gospels. Where money is concerned, uh, the thing is that most people don't even realize they have an option to not be stressed about money. You think that's true? I have found that to be true. I have found that human beings tend to be so money sick that they don't even realize there's a different way to live. Because we are a money-dominated culture. We are so rich in this country that we sometimes take it for granted. Uh, you know, it's just kind of the way things work. In other countries where uh, poverty is, is, is more common, you, you get to experience that struggle in a more visceral way. But even here, in the midst of our great wealth, I think that most of us just are saturated in money sickness. We don't realize that it's actually wrong to let money run our lives. We are taught to respect it in a thousand different ways. And it gets to our spirit and to the point of this sermon, it erodes our mindset. We're moving along in faith. We're committed to the ways of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, we stress out about money, either because we have too little or too much, or we're not sure if we're going to have enough next month or something like that, right? And it just, just shrinks our life. Jesus knew that. So he talked about it constantly. Here's one of the places he talked about it. Um, and this is a very famous money teaching. Again, one of dozens of uh, similar teachings in Scripture. But this one comes from the Sermon on the Mount uh, from Matthew 6. You can follow along in your program. We're going to stick it up here in the big board, or you can read along in your personal Bibles. Uh, and this is Jesus talking to a crowd that you would probably describe as a eh, kind of a rabble crowd. It's, it's a crowd of sick people and demonized people, some Jews, some foreigners, mostly rural people meeting out in the countryside, so a pretty downscale crowd of people. And to them, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let me stop there for a second. That phrase has always stunned me. Because if Jesus were going to boil it down to a bullet point, you would expect him to say, you can't serve both God and sin. Or you can't serve both God and Satan. Right? You'd expect him to say something like that. But on the one occasion where Jesus boils it down to one single fundamental opposition, he says, you can't serve both God and money. Because let's be clear, money is the Lord of the world. Right? And I just... It always just hits me hard when I read that. It's like, really? That's the fundamental opposition you want to preach against here in your most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount? And Jesus is like, oh, yeah. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? There it is, faith. So do not worry, saying, oh, what are we gonna eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? How shall we pay rent? The car payment's coming up. What about insurance? There's a tax bill. I'm adding a few things here, but you get the idea. For the pagans, the unbelievers, the people who don't believe in God, run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He already knows. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself one day at a time, each day has enough trouble of its own. Have you heard that teaching before? If you've been around the church for any length of time, you've probably heard that teaching before. There were songs written about this teaching in the 60s and been popularized in all sorts of dramas. It's a pretty fundamental Uh, core teaching. Super famous passage and obviously one of Jesus' stock teachings. Jesus was a traveling minister. He wandered around the countryside as a traveling rabbi. And what rabbis would do is that they had sort of a stock set of teachings that they would go to everywhere they went. And they would edit the teachings and and flex them a little bit depending on the crowd. And this teaching gets repeated in the Gospels in in different forms at different times. Clearly, this was one of Jesus' big ones. It's one of his, his his big teachings. It was very familiar to his disciples. But this was the first time that this crowd was hearing anything like this. And this message about don't worry about money, You know, it's okay if it seems like you don't have enough, your father knows what you need. That sort of message would have been very alien to the people that were listening to it because their culture, they had a very religious culture, Uh, their culture was if God likes you, if he's blessing you, then you're gonna have plenty of money. And if you don't have enough money, then something has gone terribly wrong and you should take a good, hard look at your life and maybe feel a little bit ashamed about it. That was kind of the culture. Not entirely different from some of the cultures uh, that we run in uh, around here. Uh, So this thing, like, you know, don't worry. Live day to day, one day at a time, you know, like the birds of the air. You know, that's the way to do it. It would have sounded very foreign to them. In fact, I think it probably sounds foreign to any culture on earth at any time. For them, they would have thought that, you know, hard work is paramount and wealth is a blessing from God. And Jesus isn't saying, you know, the opposite of that, but he is saying that financial weakness shouldn't make you feel spiritually weak. Financial weakness should not make you feel spiritually weak. If you are having financial struggles, whatever that looks like for you, you should not let it compromise your mindset of faith. You should still be spiritually aggressive and faith-forward, positive-type people. That seems to be the basic message. I got some applause, so I'm going to say it anyway. Wait wait, wait for the cue. Wait for the cue. We're going to do this right. Financial weakness shouldn't make you feel spiritually weak. I wanted to seize that moment because that like never happens to me in the midst of sermons. I just wanted to... All right, thank you. I feel better. Uh, The big idea in the passage is that fear is bad. One of my personal proverbs. Fear is the start of every bad thing. Uh, And uh, I stole that from Jesus' teachings. Fear is bad and that money concerns, if you're not careful, can make you fear the future and distract you from doing kingdom stuff. He says, seek first the kingdom, and, and whatever portion of your brain is committed to worrying about having enough in the future, well, that's a portion of your brain that really can't be prioritizing kingdom stuff in the moment, in the moment. And Jesus says, be careful uh, about that. Do not worry is the big command in Scripture. Do not worry. Turn to somebody next to you and say, do not worry. This is a worry-free zone. Do not worry. Why? Why should you not worry? Somebody ask me. Why should you not worry? Well, because you can be like the birds. Oh, that's comforting. And what are the birds like? Well, I'll tell you what the birds like. Here's what the birds like. The birds live day to day. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't build barns, they don't have savings accounts, they don't have checkings out. What they do is that they get up in the morning and they just go forth and try to figure out how to survive that day. And then they go to bed at night and they get up early the next morning and they do the same thing. They live hand to mouth. I don't really have hands, but you get the idea. Hand to mouth, every day, they live day to day, paycheck to paycheck. right? And Jesus says, You can do that. Don't worry. How many of you worry if you don't have enough for next week? How many of you worry if you're not sure how you're going to pay your bills next month? And Jesus says, no, no, the key is not to worry about that. There you go. Lesson over. Uh, I'll see you next week. He says, no, don't worry. You can live day to day. Is that comforting or threatening? Scary, you have the kind of God that might commend you, that might commit you to a day-to-day existence. Comforting, scary. Totally depends on whether or not that God is attentive to you day-to-day, doesn't it? Right? And that's why he says at the end, you know, he's a father, he knows what you need. Don't stress out about it. But it is a very unique lifestyle, the hand-to-mouth lifestyle, the paycheck-to-paycheck lifestyle, the day-to-day lifestyle. Uh, the same idea pops up repeatedly in, in the Jesus teaching. For instance, it pops up in the Lord's Prayer, the most quoted piece of scripture in all the world. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us enough bread for today. That's all we ask. We'll be cool with that. How many of you pray like that? I just want to get through the day. Thank you. Anyone? Maybe if you got a really, really stressful day and it's like, I don't think I can get through the day. Just get me to the end of work and I will sing a worship song. Um, But we're supposed to, you know, rehearse that day-to-day mentality. And Jesus seems to think that that's strength if we can do that. You know, just live day-to-day. That's strong. Here's what's weak. Thinking a lot about the future. Endless plans about having enough. When your kids go to college, stuff like that, Jesus says, oh, that's actually dangerous. That can be, that can be dangerous. Uh, be careful with that. And it's a very challenging teaching because it doesn't really fly in our culture, does it? If we have any financial advisors in the audience right now, they are feeling a little bit queasy. And I understand. You know, I understand. I um, But the big point is really about priorities. Don't let your respect for money crowd out your spiritual and your ministry life. Seek first the kingdom, and then everything else will be added to you. Kingdom first. Uh, What does it mean to prioritize kingdom stuff? Exactly what does that phrase mean? Um, Well, I mean... I don't think it's a formula is the problem. I mean, the word kingdom itself was sort of a phrase that Jesus invented. Uh, It literally means order or dominion. Like, do things God's way. Do things, you know, as God tells you to do them. Make sure that that's what you're thinking about most. And the other stuff, you can fit in on the edges. That's kind of what it means. It's not really a, a super specific formula. Uh, I might suggest a few interpretations. Maybe there should be some balance of, of work and trust in life. Make sure that however you make your living, there's room for faith and trust in it. I think, you know, that's probably a wise way to think about it. I say that because one of the first things God commanded his people was to observe the Sabbath, was to take a day off every week. You're not allowed to do any work. You're not allowed to think about doing work. You're not allowed to gather food or anything one day a week. I need that to be a regular practice for you guys, God said way back in the day when his people were first becoming a people. It's one of the big 10 commandments. Maybe you've heard of them. Take a day off. And I mean like seriously take a day off. And what that was, was a command. uh, It was a practice. It was an exercise of not worrying about having enough. Because, you know, that was sort of a hand-to-mouth agrarian society around that. Back then, It's like when the harvest needed to be taken in. Dang it, the harvest needed to be taken in, and you didn't just stop. What if it rained that day, you know, and ruined your crops, ruined the hay in the field or something like that? To take a day off was a dicey proposition. And in fact, we know from the Bible histories that uh, the nation of Israel refused to take a day off until such a time that God actually got kind of angry with them and sent them into exile over it. They refused to take a day off and they refused to be generous with poor people. And they let money overtake their mindset. They let having enough, that is, overtake their mindset until God actually had to discipline them for it. Tithing is an example of this. One of the commands that God gave to His people in ancient times like, when you do bring in the harvest, take the first tenth of it and give it to the temple, give it to, you know, to the priesthood, give it to to ministry purposes, uh, if you will, and make sure that it's the first tenth. In fact, and. In one of the prophets, God even challenged the people. He says, test me on this. Test me on it. Bring your full tithe to the storehouse and see if I do not open the floodgates of heaven above you and provide abundantly for you. If you are just faithful with me, I will be abundantly faithful to you in terms of provision. And we know that the nation of Israel in ancient times didn't do that. and God had to discipline them uh, about it. Uh, I think more generally, and Jesus makes this very clear in our material lives and our financial lives, generosity should prevail. We should have a very generous, free spirit about all that we have. And commands like the Sabbath or tithing, that's what it's really about, right? It's like money should not command you. You should be able to use money for purposes of love or relationship or ministry. That really should be what you're about. And so... Jesus is always saying, share, share. I'm very proud of Blue Water Mission in this regard. This is the most generous faith community I've ever been part of. This people share with other people. People are constantly providing for their brothers and sisters in this church. We take 25% of every dollar that comes into the church, and we set it aside, and we give it to the poor. We do that because we just wanted to be very serious about generosity generosity, an undervalued value, and I think the Lord has been super faithful to us as a result. And uh, while we've never been secure financially, we've also never been without financially, and it's been a journey of faith and an exciting one. Say amen if you've been part of that and you, uh, you understand. I said a balance of hard work and trust, sometimes even hard work can be a matter of faith because if you don't trust that God will make stuff work out, sometimes you can be hesitant to work. You can freeze. It can be hard to look for a job unless you have faith. It can be hard to go to a job that isn't working out so well unless you have faith. So there's a balance of trust uh, even in that. There's no formula, but I think you can get a feel for it, can't you? You know when you're afraid and you know when you have a lot of faith and peace where financial things are concerned. And Jesus is advocating peace. Peace. No matter what. I have uh, so many stories of God's financial faithfulness uh, to me and my family and those stories stretch all the way back to, you know, When I was a little kid, some of you know that my early childhood was unique and, you know, running around, hiding from the cops and stuff like that. And, you know, I got got used to uncertainty uh, in in a way. And and over the course of my life, I think that's actually turned into a strength for me. Um, I've gotten somewhat used to the Lord just kind of providing out of nowhere. And that's one of the privileges that come with not worrying too much about tomorrow. Is that you're open to the Lord providing even in ways that you didn't see coming. And there's sort of a humility and faith involved uh, with that. God will always provide for you. I promise. And the reason I promise is because Jesus promised. I'm not an idiot. God will always provide for you. God will always provide for your family. Always. But he won't always do it in the manner you expect or require. He'll do it his way. And so, the best money stories are the creative ones, I think. I call them, I call them uh, creative ones. Um, here's some of my canonical creative stories. Um, I uh, had left home. I'd gone off to college. I had like, $600 in my bank account, and I was going to this really expensive school, and, uh, and I, I competed. I won some scholarships, but like every term, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to pay my bills, right? Anybody gone through college that way? Yeah, I get some amens. Um, and so uh, the, the end of the quarter was approaching. This was my, uh, later my freshman year. And I tallied up what I had and scholarship checks that I had coming in and stuff like that. And it's like, man, I am $600 short. Uh, The bill is due in, in a few days. I have no idea how that's gonna come through. And I tallied up my money. I had $60 to my name, I had $60. So being a clever Christian, I'm not saying this is theologically correct. I'm just saying it's clever. I had $60 and I thought, I did my math and I thought, $60 happens to be the tithe for 600 which is what I need. So I'm going to pre-tithe. This is not theologically correct, by the way. So uh, I went to church that Sunday, and I went to church with uh, other people in, in this college fellowship that I was a part of, because um, I didn't like the church, um, and it was an incredibly wealthy church. They did not need my $60. But what I did is I, I took my $60 church, and I put it in the offering plate, and I folded my hands. My arms, and I said, There. Now it's your problem. Not theologically correct. Uh, That Monday, I got a call from a friend of mine who worked in the financial aid office. He said, This check has just come through our processes, uh, and the check is for $800. Uh, do you know where it came from and I said I have no idea where it came from and he said well you better come down here and get it this was the day before electronic transfers and stuff like that so I literally ran to the financial aid office and I got this check from my friend Uh, some some money had come into the university and the university cut me a check and then I ran to the bank and I deposited immediately and I paid my $600 bill uh, the, the next day and I shared that story at my college fellowship and some Enterprising student said, you owe God 20 bucks. <laughs> True that. Uh, I paid it. But that's how I got to school. Uh, that's just my favorite, my favorite example of how it worked. Uh, fast forward uh, m- many years, and uh, Sony and I were living in the Boston area, and God had spoken prophetically and said, you need to move to Hawaii. Uh, and the Lord had provided a job uh, for me here uh, Sonia's from Hawaii, half of my family is from Hawaii, so it was a little bit like you need to move back back to Hawaii. Um, but, you know, we, had, we committed to the move and stuff, and we were coming, but we had no money. We had no way to pay the bills. We couldn't pay, you know, for air tickets and stuff like that. And so we were just kind of, we had a little time. We had some weeks yet, and we were just kind of wondering how we were going to do it. Uh, during that time, I had helped... Uh, a friend of mine record a, uh, an album, uh, he was a, a musician, and he released his CD, and so uh, we went to the CD release party, my wife and I, and our dog, and uh, Sonia was pregnant with Jojo at the time, which features in the story, she was very pregnant, and uh, we played in the band, and then went to, a, this was in New Jersey, uh, the party was, and we went to a New Jersey diner afterward, anybody know what a New Jersey diner is? Oh Yeah. It's nothing quite like a New Jersey diner. And we pulled into the parking lot. We parked, and I was helping Sonia get out of the car. My dog, Rocky, was in the back. And I had just moved Sonia away from the passenger uh, side, and I heard these screaming tires. And what happened is that this 92-year-old Greek man had mistook the accelerator for the brake and was screaming across the Parking lot in his confusion and just knocking cars out of the way and just heading right for the side of our car just as I helped Sony move out of the way. Otherwise, like, no Sony, no JoJo, you know? Uh, and the hatchback was open. I dove into the car. You have to know me for this. Grabbed my dog and circled around him. because, Yeah, I mean, this is Rocky. Some of you remember Rocky. Uh, and I still have a scar uh, from. Uh, from the guy hitting the car. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and the damage was such that we could kind of drive home but just kind of barely make it. And the insurance company totaled the car and gave us $9,000, and that's how we moved to Hawaii. You didn't think the story was going there, did you? I tell, I tell that story because the Lord will provide just not in the way you expect or require uh, when we got to Hawaii, uh, we were given not one, but two cars uh, in the first year. Um, so you just, you just never know, and I just have a little scar to show for it. We wouldn't let money concerns crowd out our spiritual life, would we? We wouldn't let money concerns crowd out our spiritual life. Not here, not Blue Water Christians. Uh, but that's not how we say it. We don't say, oh, you know, we're too worried about money. Uh, to serve. We're too worried about money to do this ministry involvement. I would do that, but I'm too worried about money. That's not what we say. We have a code name for money concerns. We call it busyness. We're too busy, right? Our job makes us too busy. Um, And that's another way that I think money becomes Lord of our life. We don't question it. You know, it's, it's the job. I have to do it. Well, I don't know, man. Pray that through, actually. Because Jesus says, seek first kingdom stuff. You know? And that's just something that we need to be careful about. That's how it happens. That's how money gets us. So money gets us. That is mindset defeat. Our pursuit of plenty, our pursuit of financial security, has ironically created a scarcity of time and meaning in our life happens a lot. It's sort of a social disease, in my opinion. Now, two things to end with, we think about that. One, it would be wrong to be overly simplistic about stuff like that. I have nothing but respect for working folks. Um, You know, hard work is one of my prime personal values. It's a thing that that I value um, really highly, high up there on, on my list. Um, The person who daily sacrifices to pay the bills and provide for his or her family is a hero. That person is the very backbone of society. Uh, And one of the things I think most about as a pastor of a church is how to help the honest, hardworking, often tired person find a church, plug into a church get involved somehow in ministry and deep spiritual purpose and legacy, even though life is busy and life can be very tiring. I think about that a lot, and I think it is right and appropriate. Uh, Two, it's not really what the sermon is about today anyway. I'm not talking about structuring your life in any given way. I'm just trying to characterize the atmosphere in which most of us encounter the fear of not having enough because it is a complicated and pervasive atmosphere, which is why Jesus spoke about it so often. Without realizing it, I think a lot of us sacrifice the mindset of faith and adopt a mindset of anxiety due to money. And it kills you spiritually. It just stops you dead. Don't give in to that. Do not succumb to it. And the first step is to be aware that there's a battle there. And to not just accept anxiety in an unquestioned way. That's deadly. That's dangerous. You will always have enough. God will provide. Do you believe it or not? Do you believe that God will always provide? No matter what? Really? Yeah? you think so? Uh, do you believe it enough to prioritize kingdom work and God stuff and spiritual stuff and service and things like that? Less enthusiasm, all right. All right. The goal isn't to be rich and the goal isn't to be poor. The goal is to be money-free. Money-free. You can live day-to-day if you have to. If you have enough freedom, uh, you can pull that off in faith. And what we're talking about is the battle for the mind and here's what victory looks like. Uh, I try to boil things down because it helps me to learn. Here's what, here's what victory looks like. I think victory looks like if you need something, look to God. Follow his ways and do what he says, and it will work out. That's not fancy. If you need something, look to God. Follow his ways, do what he says, and it's always Going to work out so you don't need to sweat it. Don't sweat it. Turn to somebody and say, Don't sweat it. Now, you might have to be willing for God to do creative solutions. There was one time when Peter was worried about paying the temple tax. In, in, that, in that day, in that place, uh, if you wanted to participate in temple life, you had to, you had to pay a tax uh, to the temple. And, you know, Jesus and the disciples, they didn't have any cash. So Jesus said, well, you shouldn't worry about things like that, but I'll tell you what, go down to the shore, cast in a fishing line, reel in a fish, and in that fish's mouth you will find a gold coin. Now that's creative. That's creative. It's like, well, you need something from God? Go fish. Cast out a line. See what happens. If you have enough, you know, faith, you'll be open to whatever. Whatever. Right? And that's really I think what that teaching is about. Be open to whatever, but just don't freak out. That is not allowed, Peter. That is not allowed. You can do something crazy, you can try, but don't freak. You know? Sometimes money is easy pickings. Get up in the morning and there's a manna all over the all over the place. You know that story from Israel's wandering in the desert? We don't know what manna was, some sort of overnight mushroom or fungus, but each morning the Israelites would, would uh, just kind of pick it off the ground, pick it off of the bushes, whatever, and make manna omelets and stuff for breakfast. Manna kadi, that was Keith Green's joke. That was Keith Green's joke. So sometimes the pickings are going to be easy, even if they're weird, you know. Sometimes you get a mysterious check in the mail. You don't know where it came from. It just shows up at the office, the financial aid office. You just grab it and run. Sometimes your car is going to get totaled so that you can do what you need to do next in life. Maybe that's it. I mean, you don't know. You don't know. But it's going to work out. And the most important thing is that you do not freak out. That's the message. Mindset of faith. First, foremost, and always. That's the point. Never stress out. It is not okay to be stressed about money, in case you were wondering. It is not okay to be stressed about money. So let's take a moment and just repent of that. Um, If anyone here has any money anxiety, I know the odds are against it. I know the odds are against it. But let's just indulge me for a second. If anyone here is stressed about money, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and just kind of talk to you about it a little bit. Sometimes He talks with words. Sometimes He talks with just senses and feelings. Sometimes He talks with an arresting presence. But let's just invite Him because His presence is better than your anxiety. Your anxiety does not keep you safe. Your anxiety does not keep you safe. Peace and faith. Better option. Oh, Holy Spirit, we humbly come before you because we have recognized Jesus' words and teachings, and He taught on this a lot. We know it is hard not to serve Lord money, we know it is hard to not give in to fear about not having enough, fear of the future we know. We have been raised in it. We have been dedicated to it. But Father God, we want to be free from it. We would prefer a mindset of faith, Lord. So speak to us, move in us, release our hearts. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. Remove the toxin from our veins, Lord. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit does what he does. Move on, Lord. Lord. So much as our money anxiety manifests as social anxiety, we don't have enough, and so we are afraid of what people will think of us and stuff like that. Now, forget that. Set that down. Throw that away. Move, Lord. Anybody want to take a stand uh, against it in your life? I invite you to stand up right now and then I'll say uh, one more prayer over you before we dismiss. You're like, yeah, oh, this stuff has made me sick. I am money sick. You stand up and and, uh, the family will just offer a prayer for you right now. Because even if we're living in victory now, we've all been there. We have all been there. We've all been there. In the name of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, we honor your faith, we honor your mindset, and we assure you in the name of the Lord, God will provide. God will provide for you and yours without fail in every situation, in every season. Do not fear. Do not fear. And in the name of Christ, I release you from judgments that people have placed upon you having to do with money and profession and status. You are freed from that in Jesus' name. You are in the family of God. You're in the household of God. And we are all adventurers of faith here. We all live in uncertainty. I pray father that you would raise us up as uh, as free children that you would release us to the things of the kingdom and that we would find provision but that we would find provision your way I pray for a great release of the spirit of generosity in this ohana as we have nothing except that it comes from you In the name of Jesus be relieved And I bless your faith. I bless your faith. The faith that made you stand this morning will make you stand up against it in life for the rest of your days. In Christ's name, amen.